0: I'm going to invite up two special guests that are visiting us all the way from China. They were 12 years away and they're actually, here's a little interesting bit of trivia I found out about Mark before the service started. He told me they haven't been here on, on Big Island, is it 12 years about that? Oh, they were here three years ago, but they've been in ministry in China for 12 years. But they're actually still members of this church from years ago. So on paper, they've been attending us for the last 12 years. That's kind of fun. Um, But there's somebody that our HMC has been supporting through their ministry, and we are blessed to have them come join us and to share. So I'm going to invite up Mark and Dana. Give them a warm welcome. And Mark, I'll unmute you and I'll hand this microphone to Dana. But they are now with Idea Ministries, is that correct? Yeah. And so they're going to be sharing with us, and I'm just going to pass off the mic without further ado.
1: Aloha. It's great to be back in the islands. Uh, We have really been grateful and thankful for... Your support many many years and so thank you uh, we have joined another uh, mission group uh, we thought we were going to reposition meaning coming to Hawaii and uh, a friend of ours who was president of ideas global approached us and said you need to join This group, and we prayed about it, talked with people, and uh, she encouraged us to be a part of this group. We went through all the testing and interviews, and so we have been accepted since February. And so we've been going back to our churches and saying, we have not retired, we're just repositioning, meaning that our responsibility is to encourage and to bless and to mentor their associates who live in 13 different countries that missionaries are not really allowed. But they are there because they are professional. Did you know that whatever work you have is a holy calling? God has given us work, whether it's a housewife, a doctor, a teacher, an agriculturalist, an engineer, God has given you that work, and we are to use it as witnesses for him. And that is to live out your life loving the Lord, showing others that Jesus loves you and wants you in his kingdom. And that's very simple, living your life for the Lord Jesus, our King. And that's what we are going to be doing is educating people about ideas, that each of you have a holy calling, that each of you have a mission to reach out to your neighbor, to your workmate, to your ohana. And that's why I want to be back home. God has given us opportunities to meet and be with the nations, the tribes, and someday we will be there to rejoice and worship our King. But in the meantime, you guys are here and have been doing that here in the islands. But we wanna join the team here now to be those witnesses wherever God calls us. And so we are back in the islands and we are grateful that God has kept us well and strong and willing to do this. So we are here for ideas And we'll be doing that first online, but more especially, we get to meet our associates. They are coming back from these 13 countries, and we will meet them, and they will know who we are, that we are their mentors to encourage them in community life. First, we'll be on the uh, video, as they call it, Uh, what's the word, Zoom? And then hopefully we can meet them in the countries that they are working in. But anyway, thank you for the many years you've loved us and encouraged us and blessed us. And so now we wait on the Lord because we don't know what he wants us to do specifically in Hawaii. Um, But we are trusting him that he will guide us uh, through these next months. So we will be going back to see our kids. We have three sons Uh, One is in Portland, Oregon. He works for the Bible Project as one of their uh, project managers, and he has two sons. And then our second son is in Istanbul, Turkey. He is there as a businessman uh, selling condos uh, that uh, a Turkish company is trying to develop in that area. Uh, They call it the Golden Horn. Uh, beautiful place that they want to develop. And so he's there in Istanbul, his daughter's 18, she used to be a little girl, now she's a big girl, and she has graduated in Russia, and she will, uh, with her diploma, and will continue studying uh, in Kazakhstan. And then our third son is in uh, Eugene, Oregon. He's working as a Thai restaurant uh, manager, And so we are grateful for their growth and how God is using them in those places. But thank you again, and thank you for having us back here. Now we'll we'll show you a short video of our kind of wrapping it up of the years that God has given us to speak to the nations.
2: Praise the Lord. Thank you so much for praying for the members of your church that never come here. (laughs) We've been busy doing things elsewhere. We're grateful for the opportunity to share the scriptures this morning. And if you want to open your Bible in this old form or on your phone or wherever it might be, To Psalm 90, Psalm 90, verse 1, Lord, you've been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us. For as many years as we've seen evil, let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Indeed, O God, we now stand in your presence And realize that unless you build the house, the laborers labor in vain. And so, by your mercy, use this sinful messenger to speak to your people through holy scripture, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we might see the Lord Jesus, that he might be lifted up and draw us unto himself, we pray. Amen. Moses, not Noah, he he lived it all. He had 120 years of life, starting as a little kid in a basket on the Nile River, ending up in Pharaoh's house, being like Disney says, a prince of Egypt, thinking that at the age of 40 it's time to take control and killing a guy and not quite working out like he thought, going for another 40 years into the wilderness, 80 years old, seeing a bush on fire but not consumed, and hearing a call that God has 40 more years for him. And those 40 years, he was the CEO of a large corporation. He was a pastor of a mega church, he was a politician who everybody wanted to recall, and it was tough. And at the end of it, he climbed up on a mountain and saw everybody else enter the promised land, but he didn't go in. And Deuteronomy says he was full of strength and his eyes were not weak. So if anybody could qualify to talk to us about life in all of its many forms, it would be Moses. And this psalm is really a testimony of Moses about life, about God, about living. And I wanted to bring out just three main points. First of all, that God is glorious. That was the message, wasn't it, in Easter or at Christmas as uh, Jesus was born, uh, the, the angels in the sky at Bethlehem, remember? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom God has pleased. But the glory of God doesn't just begin at Christmas, it really goes all the way back to creation where God spoke the world into existence and throughout the Bible all the way under revelation the glory of God is in one of the great themes And so verse 1 shows that the glory of God is seen everywhere. Lord, you've been our dwelling place throughout all generations. When Paul preached in Athens, remember, he told us that God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him, and find him. Yet he's actually not far. And so the glory of God fills the earth. The glory of God is seen everywhere. If you can't see the glory of God when you live in Hawaii, you've really got a problem. The glory of God is evident. The psalmist says in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof the world and those who dwell therein. So the glory of God is really a great theme of Scripture and a great burning zeal in the heart of Moses. And it's his glory uh, that he's great. God is not like Eastern religions would say in this world, or making himself part of this world, like God is over there in the trees. No. God, standing apart from the world, spoke the world into existence. He's transcendent. He is far away from the world. He's the God who is apart from it, transcendent, above it. But the amazing thing is that God became man. And entered into the world. So the transcendent God is the imminent God, with us, the Emmanuel God with us. And our God is amazing. Our God will never retire. He'll never grow old, He'll never forget something. He'll never need improvement on anything. He'll never come up with a better idea. He is God who is omniscient from eternity to eternity. He knows all and is all. The the world around us, I'm told, is 200 billion galaxies. That's what they say. And each galaxy has a billion stars. And the galaxies are 12 billion light years away from us. And a light year is six trillion miles. Not that I understand any of this. I'm just telling you, I didn't pass high school biology. But it's indeed true that when God spoke to Abraham with that promise that your descendants will be as many as the stars in the sky and the grains of sand on the earth they're really thinking now that there could indeed be as many stars as there are grains of sand on the earth. That's our God. And we realize that the glory of God is everlasting. Verse two, before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. This last summer, Dana and I, we got back from China. we got a car and drove from Portland, Oregon to Portland, Maine and Bangor, Maine and down to Atlanta. We put 19,000 miles on our Kia Soul and we're still in love. I don't know how that happened, but um, God is good. And we saw 15 national parks, and we'd go to, to this mountain and that mountain, and, and we'd ask them, you know, who's that mountain named? Of? Most of the time people can't remember why they named the mountain after this guy or that guy. But long after the mountains are gone, God will still be remembered. The glory of God is from everlasting to Everlasting. He is the the sovereign forever, verse 4. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day. And so this God who will never get tired, this God who will never retire, this timeless, forever, eternal, omniscient, unchanging God never needs improvement, never needs a new idea. And Moses had that passion for the glory of God. Remember Exodus 33, Moses says, please show me your glory. And God said, well, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I'll proclaim before you my name, the Lord. I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious. I'll show mercy on whom I'll show mercy, but you cannot see my face For no man shall see me and live. And that's the problem, isn't it? Because the glory of God reveals our guilt. The glory of God shines like a spotlight and shows us for what we really are. And so the second point is that that God of glory declares us guilty. We cannot see his face and live. Paul summarizes, for all have sinned and fall short of his glory. And that's true of all of us. We're we're sinners by character, and we sin by choice. And Moses himself could not enter that promised land. Verse 5, you sweep men away in the sleep of death. They're like new grass. We're consumed by your anger, terrified by your indignation. These are pretty scary words. This is pretty serious about God. You realize that our God, great as he is, the one quality that Genesis to Revelation emphasizes about God is not love, although love is prominent, but the one that is most emphasized, probably because it's repeated in threes, is holy, holy, holy. And that means that he's not like us. That he's set apart. That he's different. He's unique. He's the only one. And that gulf between us and God is a pretty big chasm. And there's the conundrum, isn't it? If we want a relationship with God, how could we? We're not worthy of it. We fall short of him. we All turned aside. We see it throughout this text. Verse eight: You've set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. Our life ends with a sigh. Remember, as Joseph was raised up in Egypt, he eventually the Ohana went down to Egypt and uh, met the Pharaoh, and there in Genesis, uh, Jacob, the father. blessed pharaoh and pharaoh asked him how old are you and jacob said to pharaoh the years of my pilgrimage are a hundred and thirty my years have been few and difficult that's something that's life that's life the pilgrimage the struggle even 130 years doesn't seem like very long So verse 11, who knows the power of your anger? Your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. Well, we ought to know that. The Bible says in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. One of the things I've done around the world is make a lot of enemies And uh, probably one of the reasons I've made a lot of enemies is because when I've met people, uh, sometimes I've just felt, you know, like, let's get right to the heart of things and said, um, what's going to happen when you die? See, that's not the friendliest question to ask a person. But it's certainly a question that that we all ought to think about. There's a hundred percent success rate. Everybody is going to die. And... Moses is asking us here to think about that, to realize our expiration date is set, and we ought to think about our own mortality before God. But thank God there's a third point to this sermon, and the final point, if you're worried. The God of glory gives grace to the guilty, And isn't it wonderful that even before Jesus came, the Bible still preaches good news. The Bible still tells us about the glory of God, the guilt of us, and also the grace that God gives to guilty people. And that's clear as we look at even our text in Psalm 90. Remember, Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house. Or Jesus said, for if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. Or John said, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So let me give you four takeaways from the latter part of Psalm 91: reflect on life. Verse 11, who knows the power of your anger? Verse 12, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now when Moses says, number your days, he's not saying, you know, buy a calendar and cross every day out as you go along. He's not saying get Sudoku puzzles so you might not go as senile as you possibly could. He's not saying it's a mathematical issue, but rather it's a philosophical issue. Think. Reflect on your life. And those of us who have a gray hair or two can do that you can begin to sort of see the spectrum. Remember those cool kids in the youth group. Remember those ones who walked away from God. Remember those ones who married another believer and who built their house upon the rock. Remember the faithfulness of God. Remember the truth of God. Remember singing, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And as you look at the span of life, hasn't that been true? Remember the Bible says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Remember the Bible says, build your house on a rock, because when the storms of life come, and they're coming, and they've been coming, and they're not going to stop coming, it will stand. But when you build on sand, you get all bust up, right? How true are the promises and the warnings of the living God? And so you realize, as Psalm tells us in verse 12, think about your life. Hebrews 11, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God, than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he is looking for the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Secondly, we need to return to God. Verse 13, Relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. And there's the conundrum, isn't it? Because if God is glorious, we're not. So how are we going to deal with this God? Well, the Bible gives us the solution. Remember as Moses went up on Mount Sinai, he got the, this revelation there, 40 days. And uh, there were three things that God showed him. Remember, he showed Moses about a place of worship and gave detailed instructions about the tabernacle and kind of a boring part of the Bible, but it's important. And then there's another boring part of the Bible where he tells about the priests and who they are and what they wear. And then there's a kind of really boring part of the Bible where he talks about the sacrifices. All kind of sacrifices, blood here, there, whatsoever. Never in Moses' wildest imagination would he have thought that God himself would become that tabernacle. That as Jesus walked the earth and became flesh and tabernacled, among us. As the temple would be destroyed, Jesus says in three days later, it'll be risen up because he is the temple. What is a temple? It's where you meet God. And when John sees the revelation in chapter 22, there is no temple there because the Lord God and the Lamb are in their midst. And then those priests... In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, not to be a priest of the line of Aaron, but to be a priest in an unusual line of Melchizedek, who had no beginning and no end. A forever priest. An eternal priest. The only priest who will himself be the sacrifice for our sin. And so as he walked, John the Baptist said, Look at that! The Lamb of God who will take away the sin of the world. And even in shadow, even on Sinai, Moses saw what we see in substance in the Emmanuel, the priest from heaven, the blood of the Lamb. And how do we come to God but through Him? How do we know God but through what He's done? And that's why we're invited now in Christ to return to God. Thirdly, we're invited to rejoice through our tears. Do you see it there in verse 14? Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we've seen trouble. Moses wasn't a prosperity preacher. Moses wasn't promising that it's all good all the time. Moses was pretty real. That sometimes life just sucks. And there's all kinds of things that are not good, even when you want to follow the living God. But Moses is saying that our God will never fail us or forsake us. Our God is faithful. Our God has all authority in heaven and on earth. Our God is Emmanuel, who is inseparably with us all the time. And that's why it's so beautiful at the very end of the book, where there's heavens gathering, and what are we doing? Singing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? And so because of that, finally, friends, let me urge you to recommit yourself to the work of God. Because the call to salvation is the call to service. If you know Christ, you're called to serve him. It's not missionaries up on a stage. It's the body of Christ. It's the ohana of God, doing the work of God. You're serving in places I'll never even enter. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. We are his ambassadors, wherever we go. That's what Jesus said. You are my witnesses. And it includes all who name the name of Christ. So whether it's around the world or just across the street. Verse 16, May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. You know, one of the... just very sad things that we saw as we drove across the states last year. We met with, we were with about 80 old friends, you know, supporters, classmates, former colleagues. It, just, it was such a wonderful, wonderful time. And a thread we saw through a lot of the conversations was I can't talk to my kids anymore about God. I finally just got exasperated with that. And when I heard it for the 50th time, I looked at a friend who I hope is still a friend and said, why are you even alive? You might as well die right now. Because you're here to talk about God. Now you're not here to nag or be a pain in the butt, or, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. You're not that. But you're here to love your kids with tears, with prayers, with service, with sacrifice, and to tell them about the living God by what you do and what you say. Are they going to hear it in the hawaii Ne public school system? I don't think so. Are they going to hear it anywhere in America in the public school system? I don't think so. Even in places they should be hearing it, they probably are not going to hear it. And they won't hear it like they'll hear it from you, whom they've been watching their whole lives. You're the model. Not in your, hey, I'm the perfect grandma, I'm the perfect uncle, I'm the perfect whatever. Be honest. You're as broken and sinful and messed up as anybody at all. But you have a Savior. You have a Redeemer. You have hope. You're going somewhere. And it's not by works of righteousness that you have done. But according to his mercy, he saved you. Don't they need that mercy too? Don't they need that grace too? You are the last link as we run this race with our baton in our hand. You've got to hand it off to somebody. It can't drop. There is the next generation who needs to hear about the living God. And that's our kuleana. That's the work that God's given for us to do. And so, may the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us, establish the work of our hands. Or, as Paul says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works. So no one may boast. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Father in heaven, we need Jesus. We need Jesus to save us, and we need Jesus to sanctify us, and to keep us straight, to shake us up, to walk with us, to encourage us, to comfort us, to carry us, and our loved ones, and our neighbors, and Hilo, and the Big Island, and the whole world needs Him too. And so faithful God, continue to build your church, continue to use poor unworthy servants like us so that your name will be glorified from everlasting to everlasting. Amen. Yeah. If, if I didn't take too much time we could sing. I might have. Tell us what to do Stephen. Come on up. Praise the Lord. Well, the worship,
0: well, I'm the king in control of the old microphone, Ron and I left myself <laughs> muted. Um, while we're inviting the worship team up, maybe Ron and if, if any of the elders or Brian um, want to come up, and let's pray for Mark and Dana and bless them. And, uh, yeah, we just want to take a moment and pray.